Good morning. Happy Sabbath. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And God, and on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work which He created and made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. Amen. I want to begin this morning's topic um, by saying congratulations to the graduates of 2011. Uh, for just as God finished His work and rested on the Sabbath day, you too have finished your work. Amen. And are now resting on His blessed Sabbath day. My wife and I know the feeling. We too are alumni of Loma Linda University. Um, she is a graduate of the dental hygiene program, class of 2007. And I myself am a graduate from the nursing program, uh, class of 2008. Uh, the, uh, the odd thing is, is that just as most of you are finishing, um, I'm getting ready uh, to start. <laughs> by the grace of God, God has allowed me to be, by the grace of God, He has allowed me to uh, be accepted into, the, into Loma Linda's nurse anesthesia program, um, to pursue a career in putting people to sleep. <laughs> now, I pray that that would not be the case here this morning. Amen? Um, I remember filling out my interview, uh, my application, and even in my interview, I, uh, I said this, and I think that's what caught their attention. I said, uh, you know, the Bible says that before God took out one of Adam's ribs, before he played the role of a surgeon, what did he do first? He put Adam to sleep. In other words, he played the role of an anesthetist or an anesthesiologist. So doing the Lord's work has a new meaning for me. Amen? <laughs> I'm a little excited, um, but I think I'm more hesitant to start school. Uh, so graduates, enjoy the fact that you are done. Amen? Um, enjoy the season of celebration and accomplishment. Um, this high and holy Sabbath. Uh, I also want to tell you before I start that the reason why this is a high and holy Sabbath for me is um, because 14 weeks ago today, um, my beautiful wife gave birth to our beautiful son, Isaac. Um, <laughs> irregardless of the fact that I, we have lack of sleep, and uh, dirty diapers. Um, I could say that these past three and a half months have been the best three and a half months in my life. Um, praise God for the joy children give us. Amen. With that being said, I want to I want to wish every father in here happy early Father's Day. Again, congratulations uh, to the graduates, and I want to welcome you uh, with a warm. Happy Sabbath. This morning's topic is entitled, Help in Daily Living. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for being so faithful and merciful to us this week. And Father, you have allowed us to meet once more together in this place, not only to worship and adore but, Lord, to ask for comfort and hope 
and the forgiveness of our sins. Dear Father in heaven, we have gathered here this morning. In the neatness of our clothes, in the cleanliness of our faces, but Father, you know how filthy our hearts are. And so, Father, it is with that acknowledgement that we come before you now, asking, Lord, that you would cleanse us from all sin and that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this place, that we would be mindful that the ground that we now sit and stand on is holy and that we would take the shoes from off our feet. Father in heaven, angels bow their heads and cover their faces in your presence. And may we do so. May we do the same this morning. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. And I ask, Lord, that you would please be with me. That you would put Christ in my heart, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Father in heaven, we ask that you would hear and answer this prayer. For we, we do so in the name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, on my way home from work um, yesterday, I uh, saw some things that caught my attention. I work here at the medical center. Um, so on my way home, I drive through campus, and I noticed that there were no more students crossing the streets. Um, I work night shift, so on my way home, um, I mean, God only knows how many times your guardian angels have intervene on your behalf at my expense. Um, there's a stop sign on Anderson and campus for a reason. And uh, God only knows how many times I've seen uh, medical students or dental students or what have you come by, whip by through that stop sign. Um, so I noticed that that wasn't there anymore. And as I drove through campus, I realized that uh, the parking lots were no longer full, uh, that the library was seemingly empty, uh, they were planting new flowers in front of Drayson Center, and I saw students packing up, uh, moving out of their dorms. And uh, I realized that these events were just signifying the fact that we have come to the end of the school year, and gra graduation is upon us. And uh, for many of us, our educational career has finally come to an end. Amen? Um, whether it was 18 months or 18 years, our journey has come to an end. And um, because it has, there must be a special time, not only of acknowledgement and recognition, but more importantly, a time for retrospective reflection. Because it is only in looking back that we receive a deep appreciation, a sense of accomplishment, and a humility that is needed. Amen? Which is why we have graduation speeches, which is why we have retirement parties, which is why we have memorial services, dedicated times where we can look back at the past to help us get through not only through the future, because remember, the future is not guaranteed. Amen? But we remember the past primarily to help us get through today. Amen? The problem is, as young people, as uh, students, as young professionals, we spend the day worrying about what? Tomorrow. Worrying about the future. Where will I match? Or where 
well, can, where can I find a job? Or who will hire me? Or, or how am I ever going to ever pay off these loans? Or who will I marry? Or when do I move to the country? And yet we wonder why we struggle so much in our daily walks. Now, friends, this is me. And I have to believe that Providence has placed me here this morning because there is someone here who is struggling with the same thing. And I want to begin our study with one of the greatest and earliest graduation speeches in Scripture. Turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy, the fifth and last book of Moses. Scholars call it the last of the Pentateuch. The second legislation um, in relation to the book of Exodus. Deuteronomy chapter 1, starting from verse 1, and we're reading to verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan, in the, what was that word? Wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel, and Laban and Hazaroth, and, Diz- and Dizahab. Verse 2, There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir, unto Kadesh Barnea. Verse 3, And it came to pass in the what year? Fortieth year. Question, how many years... Did the Israelites wander in the wilderness? 40. Notice what verse 3 says. And it says, And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment. So here they are in the 40th year in their journey in the wilderness, and Moses knows what's about to happen. He realizes, Spirit Prophecy tells us, that the end of their journey has come. And so he begins to prepare one of the greatest speeches in Scripture. Now, did you know that out of the 34 chapters in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 1 through verse 33 is one whole speech. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, everything in the book of Deuteronomy happens in one day. When you read the chapter or when you read the, the, uh, the book, you will come across this phrase often, this day, this day, this day. It's repeated over and over and over. Now, I want you to notice something very significant that drives Moses' speech even more. Turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy chapter 31. In his last speech, in his last admonition to the people of Israel. Notice what Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 1 and 2 says. It says, And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel, Verse 2, and he said unto them, I am a hundred and twenty years old, what? This day. Now this isn't the significance that I want to point out to you. The real significance is if, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, reading from verses 48 to 50. Notice this significance. Deuteronomy 
chapter 32, verses 48 to 50, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses that self same day, saying, Get thee up into this mountain, Abraham, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho, and behold the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession. Verse 50, and what? And die in the mount. Did you catch that? He says, and die in the mount. Moses says, this day, on the 11th month, in the, in the 40th year of the 11th month, on the first day of the month, the day that your journey in the wilderness ends is the day I turn 120 years old, is the day that I die. Can you imagine the feeling? What a mixed feeling of emotions. It's like it's a, a graduation, retirement, birthday, and funeral all at one time. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the feeling, the thoughts and feelings uh, and, 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 and emotions that Moses has when he's speaking to a people? The very people who are responsible for the very sin that prevented him from entering the promised land. Incredible. Now, because this is graduation weekend, I believe that the key text in the context of our study this morning is found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Turn with me there, Deuteronomy chapter 8, reading from verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 8, reading from verse 2. The Bible says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To humble you. To prove you. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or no. In His dying words. I can just imagine Moses pleading with the rebellious people of Israel to hold on to Christ by remembering how He led us these 40 years in the wilderness. Moses says, remember how safe you felt when you were in Egypt and the plagues were absolutely devastating the Egyptians, but none of them came upon you? He says, remember how worried and hopeless you felt when your backs were against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's chariots were coming full strength at you. And yet God opened the Red Sea that you may escape. He says, remember how, how thankful you felt when, when manna fell from heaven, when you were absolutely starving, or God provided you water when you were dying of thirst. Remember how grateful you were for that cloud of shade that kept you cool throughout those hot desert days and the fire by night that lit your way and kept you warm, those, those cold winter nights. Moses says, remember the time when we were walking through the wilderness and all those snakes kept biting us, yet none of us were affected? Now notice what verse 3 says. Same chapter, verse 3 says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did 
Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Moses says it wasn't the plagues, it wasn't the parting of the Red Sea, it wasn't the manna falling from heaven or the, or the water, it wasn't the, the cloud by day or the fire by night or the raisin, brazen serpent that kept you alive. No, it was the word of God, amen, that kept you alive. Those were only manifestations of the fact that God did exactly what he what? Said he would do. And so the admonition falls upon us today. Whether you're graduating or not, Moses bids us today, remember how the Lord thy God has led thee these 18 months, these two years, these four years, these eight years, whatever the case may be, here at Loma Linda University or wherever providence has placed you. Why? To humble you. To prove you. To show you what was in your heart. Moses tells us, remember the time where you failed anatomy? Physiology? Pathophysiology? Pharmacology? Step one? Step two? Boards? Wasn't it humbling? I'm sorry, but it had to happen. Because I needed to prove to you that I was not in your heart. Your GPA was. Your class rank was. Your standing in society was. Your potential salary was. But when you repented, and when you emptied your heart of self so that my son can come in, then and only then did you realize that when you seek my kingdom first and my righteousness, then all these things were added unto you. Amen. Spirit of Prophecy tells us that we have nothing to fear for the future lest we forget how God has what? Led us in the past. Now, friends, graduating from Loma Lee University is not an average accomplishment. For those of you who have graduated, you are now ambassadors of an institution that was ordained by God to spread the everlasting gospel in the context of the three angels' messages in the context of medical evangelism. Amen? Let's not forget Loma Linda's past. Amen? Let's remember that Loma Linda was originally called the College of medical evangelists because we are told that medical evangelism is the entering wedge or the right hand of the the gospel now turn with me to matthew this is a diversion but let's turn turn with me to matthew chapter 4 let's see how christ implemented medical evangelism into his ministry matthew chapter 4 um, my purpose in life, when I found this verse, uh, it just solidified even more. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Um, I didn't know what to do in life. You know, I, 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 I wasn't sure if I wanted to teach or go into the ministry or go into the medical field. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 is what kind of gives me hope, comfort, assurance that the profession that I'm in is where God would have me to be. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So Jesus taught, and he preached, and he healed. And I had an equal desire to do all three. And I believe that being in the nursing profession allows me to do so. Praise God for nurses. Amen. Amen. Going on, verse 24 says, And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, spiritual, and those which were lunatic, mental, and those that had the palsy, physical, and he healed them. Verse 25, and there followed him great, what? Multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan going on and seeing the, what? Multitudes. He went up into a mountain and when he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice what Christ did in order to prepare himself for the preaching of the greatest sermon ever preached. What was it? Medical evangelism. And I pray that every consecrated graduate of this institution would be a steward of the calling that God has so graciously given them. Amen. Now I'm fully aware that there are people here this morning who, number one, are not or have not studied at Loma Linda. And number two, don't have a medical background. So the potential question is, how does this help me in daily living, Byron? And to be honest, it doesn't. But we're going to finish our study this morning with something that does. Amen? In the... Uh, providence of God, the Lord has allowed me to work with uh, Amazing Facts and ASI's Youth for Jesus, uh, both here and abroad. And in doing so, the Lord has allowed me to, or the Lord has revealed to me, that there is an awakening among Seventh-day Adventist people, both young and old. Amen? But the overall attitude that I'm uh, experiencing is, is, and especially among the youth and young adults, is they don't know what to do in life. They want to pursue an education, but they believe that Jesus is coming real soon. I mean, real soon. And so they don't want to waste their time. I shouldn't say waste, but they don't want to spend their time uh, going to school or their money to be in school. But yet the years pass by. And if they stayed in school, they would have been done by now. And yet Jesus hasn't come, so they don't know what to do. Have, do you relate to this? Maybe you don't. But, um, well, let's just go there. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 has given me another source of comfort and, and hope and assurance that even though I may not be a full-time missionary with Adventist Frontier Missions, I know that my calling is to be where I am because that is where God put me. Otherwise, I would not be here. Amen? Someone else would have spoke to you this morning. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. We're starting in verse 7. And um, I want us to use principles that, uh, 
been taught me in how to study the Bible. Um, Peter Gregory, I'm sure you're familiar with him. Uh, the, the study technique is you ask questions that the verse alone answers. Amen? So let's apply that this morning. Verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Jump down to verse 15. The Bible says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So to ask you a question that the verse alone answers, what is Adam's calling? Gardener, yes, that's a safe way to put, to dress and keep the garden. Amen? Now the question is, why? Remember, we have to answer the question from the verse alone. Why is it Adam's calling to dress and keep the garden? Amen. He was put there. So in other words, the application then, after our observation, is where has God put you? Then believe it or not, friends, then that is the calling God has for you. Not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about the future. Where are you today? Because today, someone is in the hospital. Today, someone has a breathing tube down their throat on multiple drips to keep their heart pumping with a family member at their bedside, praying that they would wake up. Where are you today? Notice what verse 16 says. The Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now notice something very significant in verse 18. It's 1042, we're going to verse 18, Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be, what? Alone. I will make a help meet for him. Now question, where is Adam working at this point in time? The Garden of Eden. When is sin introduced into humanity? Chapter 3. What chapter are we on? Chapter 2. In other words, Adam is still in a state of perfect harmony. Amen? When you're in perfect harmony, do you need anything? No. So at this point in time, Adam is happy. He is content. He is the word that many of us are looking for today, satisfied. But notice, it's the first time that God says it is not good. And notice, before Adam is even cognizant of his need, who is first? God. So what is the application for us today? There is a need that we are oblivious to of knowing. But who knows first? Now, you would imagine, after saying that it is not good that the man should be alone, I will make and help me for him, you would imagine, logically, for verse 21 to come right after verse 18. Amen? Notice what verse 21 says. It says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. But is that the progression in Genesis chapter 2? No. What does that mean? Does God waste words? No. 
there must be significance in verses 19 and 20. God has every word in Scripture, therefore a reason. Amen? Now let's read this and see what, how we can apply that. What is the importance of verses 19 and 20? Verse 19 says, And out of the ground of the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Question, what was Adam's calling again? To be a gardener, right? Now what does naming the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air have to do with gardening? Nothing. Nothing. Adam could have said, Lord, that is not my calling. You put me into the Garden of Eden. No, thank you. Could he have said that? He wasn't thinking it. No, he wasn't. But do we think that? Byron, I need you to go to Ukraine and preach a series um, in the winter. And I said, oh, Lord, my wife is six months pregnant. I can't go. He said, I didn't ask you about that. I said, I need you to be in Ukraine for a month to preach a series. Lord, I'm a nurse. I have a mortgage to pay. I have loans to pay. I have a a potential baby to, to support. This is not my calling, Lord. Is that what Adam said? Notice what verse 20 says. It says, And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. In other words, Adam was faithful with whatever God asked him to do, even if it was outside of his calling. And notice the result. But for Adam, there was not found what? A help me for him. Question, what would have happened if Adam was not faithful with what God asked him to do, he wouldn't have realized his need. In other words, the reason why we are not satisfied, the reason why we are not content, the reason why we are oblivious to the need that we have is because we are not faithful in where God has placed us. But Adam was faithful. Amen. It says in verse 21, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Verse 22, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her to the man. And the rest is history. Amen. There is an important lesson that Genesis chapter 2 teaches us. When the question arises, what is God's will in my life? You know, today we have uh, seminars now at GYC, Southwest Youth Conference, Army Bible Camp, and, and we have a dedicated seminar to knowing God's will in your life. Amen? And, and, and the majority of the people there, if you observe, are young people. And they give you, don't get me wrong, they give you scripture, they give you spirit prophecy, but friends, it is all here in Genesis chapter 2. Amen? Now, in closing, I want to share three quotes that have, again, given me comfort and hope and assurance in the calling that I stand before you today. And it's found in this little book called Ministry of Healing. How many of you are familiar with that book? 
And the chapter that we're reading these quotes from is called Help in Daily Living. Now, the first uh, quote I want to read to you is found in Ministry of Healing, page 478, paragraph 3. Notice what she says. And we're closing here. She says, Many are unable to make definite plans for the what? Future. Their life is what? Unsettled. They cannot discern the outcome of affairs, and this often fills them with what? How many of you did these three sentences describe? Don't raise your hands. Notice what she says. Let us remember that the life of God's children in this world is a what? Pilgrim life. We have not wisdom to plan our own lives. She says, it is not for us to what? Shape our future. Then she quotes scripture. She says, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, what, did he, what does it say? Obeyed. And he went out, what? Not knowing whether he went. You know what helped me go to Ukraine, even though my wife was six months pregnant and I had bills to pay, was the chapter entitled, The Call of Abraham. If you're struggling with your calling in life, I highly suggest you would read that chapter. When the call comes to Abraham, it says, Abraham did not question whether the soil was fertile or the climate God called him to go into was healthful, whether there would be uh, grazing lands for his cattle. He went. Now, I was privileged and blessed uh, to be able to do my practicum in um, Botswana, Africa, at the uh, Kanye Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. And so we were there for a month, and then at the end of the month, uh, we were able to go on safari. And um, on safari, uh, there was this, and this is an antelope, but the, the animal, I, I couldn't take a picture of it, it was too fast. The animal I want to bring up is the African impala. Anyone familiar with the African impala? Very good. It's the size of, it's, it's basically an antelope, but it's the size of like a tiny dog, cocker spaniel. And so we see one uh, jump by, and our ranger tells us, oh man, that's the African impala. There's something, there's something special about the African impala. Even though it's so tiny, it could, it could jump a length of 30 feet. In other words, if you, if you play basketball, you're jumping from the baseline to well past the three-point line. Okay? And it could jump to a height of 10 feet. So from the floor over the rim, this tiny little thing. And yet the interesting thing is, they can be kept in any enclosure, in any zoo, with a three-foot tall wall. And so we were like, you know, 10 feet, 30 feet, that doesn't make sense. Why? He said something very interesting. He said, the African impala will not jump unless he can see where its feet will fall. question this morning is, do we have the faith of Abraham or the faith of the African impala? I think it's an evangelism, page 57. It says, um, there are those who will not be useful at this time, I'm paraphrasing, because they will not move forward unless they can clearly see where their feet will fall. Second quote I want to share with you, Ministry of Healing, page 479, paragraph 2. It says, too many, how many? Too many. In planning for a brilliant future, make an utter failure, she says. 
She says, let God plan for you as a little child. Trust to the guidance of him who will keep the feet of his saints. Amen. Uh, this is a picture of my, my nephew. His name is Jason. He's three years old now. Uh, he wasn't three when he took this picture. Um, but I bring that up because there's a story of a little boy who was three years old. And he was caught in, in his house caught on fire, parents' house caught on fire. And uh, he had no option but to run upstairs. And um, by that time, the flames had engulfed the house. Um, he was able to get onto the roof. And his father ran outside, and his father was saying, Son, jump, I'll catch you. But the son couldn't see him. There was too much smoke, too much ash. There was blackness everywhere. And his father's pleading with him because the only way he would survive is if he would jump. And so he's pleading with his son, Son, jump, I'll catch you. But the son responds, No, dad, I can't see you. But the dad says, But I can see you. And that's all that matters. She says, As a little child, trust to the guidance of him who will keep the feet of his saints. Last quote I want to share with you. Well, there's an example. Ministry of Healing, page 479, paragraph 1. Notice this. Christ, in his life on earth, made how many plans for himself? No plans. And what does the Bible say he is? Our example. Now, for many of us, that is difficult because if you know me, I am a master planner. I know, I know what I wanted to do in high school. Okay, I wanted to be, if under, you look at my graduation or my, my high school yearbook, it says, I want to be a humble and wise trainer for the Lakers. <laughs> See, I wanted, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. So I was going to go through nursing as my medical background, then go to medical school and, and do all that stuff and be an orthopedic surgeon and, and, and all these things, and then finally end up with the Lakers. Okay, That's what I wanted to do. Had it all planned out. Did it happen that way? No. Praise God. I would not train anything that I have experienced these past six years for the world. She says, Christ in his life on earth made no plans for himself. He accepted God's plans for him. Notice what she says next. And day by day, how often? Semester by semester? Year by year? Paycheck to paycheck? She says, day by day, the Father unfolded His plans. So should we depend upon God that our lives may be the simple, simple, she says, outworking of His will. As we commit our ways to Him, He will direct our steps. Amen. The Bible says, or I guess what we've studied this morning as we come to a close, as we remember how God has led us in the past, we should have nothing to fear for the future. Amen? God asks us to remember how He has led us in the past, that we would be faithful today. Amen? Wherever God places us. And as we commit ourselves to Him, wherever they may be, May we be found faithful day by day. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us.
We thank you for your word that gives us sweet consolation. Father in heaven, we want to uplift the uh, graduates who are graduating or who have graduated already. And Father, I pray, Lord, that this message has inspired them to recall the past events as they celebrate their accomplishments. Father, may all glory and honor be praised uh, and praise be due unto your name. We thank you for such an occasion that gives us the ability to recall the events of the past. For we, we don't do so enough. Father, we're so mindful of the uncertainties of the future. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would direct our minds to the surety of how you have led us in the past. Father, you have inspired Moses to deliver such a great speech. And within this speech, you tell us in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, that we have not lacked anything these past 40 years. Father in heaven, this financial crisis is upon us for a reason. Global calamity is upon us for a reason. And irregardless of the fact that we are in a crunch, Lord, your word remains true. So, Father, would the people here under the sound of my voice be the light that this dark world needs. That they would not be seen fretting for the future, but rather they would be faithful today. Father, be with us in our workplace. Be with us in school. Most importantly, Father, please be with us in the home. I pray for every father here. Help us to realize that the revival that this church wants so much begins with the men at home. And so, Father, I pray that you would keep us faithful, whatever duty you would have us have. We thank you, Lord, for the comfort that we receive from the scripture, from the spirit of prophecy, and even this hymn. May these things be kept in our heart today as we abide with you this Sabbath. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering this prayer. For we do so in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.